0: The Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful as Thou has given us life and breath today, and there is no better place for us to be but in Thy house of worship, Thy house of praise and prayer. To take the time that we have granted to us in this world, a day of rest, that we can come to worship Thee and to look into Thy word to refresh the inner man spiritually, to spend time with fellow like-minded believers, to be encouraged and strengthened in the things that we believe, that we may walk faithfully in the days to come. We pray now, therefore, as we have gathered, Father, that our gathering would not be in vain, that as we look into thy word, thy word would be all-powerful, able to speak to each of us present, to speak to our inner man, to speak to our hearts and mind, to enlighten their understanding, to thy will, and to thy ways. And we know, Father, that all these things are possible, but we pray especially, Lord, that thy word would speak and thy spirit would be in our midst. Especially, Lord, we ask that thou would speak to those who do not know thee, and perhaps those who know thee and have made a choice that at this moment in their lives they are not interested in what thou has to offer. We pray, Father, that Thou would visit them, and in thy long-suffering and mercy, as thou hast been to us, who believe, thou would also extend thy mercy to them. We also pray Father, for those who are hindered for health reasons and are not here, and we ask Lord that thou would bless them as well with thy word and thy comfort. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. With the Lord's help, I'd like to read from the Old Testament in the book, the second book of Chronicles, chapter 20. Second Chronicles, chapter 20. I'd like to begin with the first verse. 2nd Chronicles chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. It came to pass, after this also, that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them other beside the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And behold, they be in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Engedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast through all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord, even out of all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord, before the new court, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are not thou God in heaven? and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power that might and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Are not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If, when evil cometh upon us, as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say how they reward us, to come to cast this out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, will thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah, and all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. Then... Upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye, all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Sis, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook, before the wilderness of Jeruel. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of Korhites stood upon stood up to the praise to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa and as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that, and that should praise the beauty of holiness, as they went out before the army, and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever." And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, every one helped to destroy another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, and they looked unto the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth. And none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were there three days in gathering of the spoil. And it was so much. And on the fourth day, they assembled themselves in the valley of Berachah, for they blessed the Lord, therefore the name of the place was called the Valley of Barachah unto this day, which means the Valley of Blessings. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat in the forefront of them to go again to Jerusalem with joy. For the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. And they came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets unto the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was in all the kingdoms of those countries. When they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel, so the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest round about. I have read through verse 30. So, We have a story here that uh, many of us are very familiar with, particularly those of us who grew up in church and um, attended Sunday school. We are familiar with some of the victories that the kings of Israel, kings of Judah, kings of Judah more uh, accurately, um, were the ones who did experience victories, And because we have the choir singing this immediately after services, we, we can't spend too much time uh, on the background here, which is, I think, necessary. But I'm just going to give a little bit. Before the reading of chapter 20, we have Jehoshaphat. He joined himself to King Ahab of the northern kingdom of Israel. And for those of us who may not have that background There was a time uh, during immediately after Solomon's reign in Israel that there was a division of the Israelites between the southern and the northern kingdom. And in the southern kingdom, Judah uh, and Benjamin tended to stay close to God and to his ways, whereas the northern kingdom, um, which were consisting of ten tribes, of the twelve tribes of Israel, very very quickly moved away from God and developed their own parallel worship. And they had some very wicked kings, not that Judah didn't, but in this particular case, Jehoshaphat is asked by the king of Israel, Ahab, the northern kingdom, to join him into battle with the Syrians who were just on the northeastern border. And even though he was warned not to do so, he did, and... Um, in the process of doing so, um, one of the prophets is, is brought before them to ask, you know, what is, is this God's will? What is, what is God going to do here? And the prophet who had continually prophesied uh, that evil would come to King Ahab, the king of the northern kingdom, basically said that, you know, you will be defeated, particularly the king of Israel, the king Ahab, that he would, he would die. And in the course of going to the battle, King Ahab disguises himself because he's trying to foil... the the prophet's prophecy. Jehoshaphat goes to battle with him. He was warned not to, but he does, which was a mistake. It was a a lapse in judgment, and he is surrounded by the Syrians and cries out to help from God when the Syrians realize, because the Syrians were commanded, that they should go after Ahab, the king of Israel, the king of the northern kingdoms. And, but he was disguised, so they they placed their attention on King Jehoshaphat, who was dressed dressed in a royal royal garment for war. And so, when he's surrounded by the Syrians, he cries out for God for help. The Syrians recognize, "Oh, this isn't King Ahab." They leave off from pursuing him, and at the end, uh, King Jehoshaphat escapes. But as King Ahab is leaving, he is he is killed by a stray arrow because God's word is still going to come to pass at the end of the battle, and he dies. When he returns, when Jehoshaphat returns, he is confronted by a prophet. And I'm just going to read you a few words here. And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly? This is in reference to King Ahab of the northern kingdom. Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. Nevertheless, there are good things found in thee, and that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land and hast prepared thine heart to seek God. So Jehoshaphat comes back and he is told that what he did was not right, that he had gone in allegiance with someone who who actually did not follow God, who hated God, and that God's wrath was going to be against, or was going to be brought into Jehoshaphat's life. But, because there was good found in Jehoshaphat, because he had done the, um, because he had taken away the places where people were worshipping false idols, that, um, that, that God was going to be with him, and it says here that nevertheless there are good things found in thee, and that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land and hast prepared thine heart to seek God and Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem, and he went out again through the people from Beer-sheba to Mount Ephraim, and brought them back unto the Lord God of their fathers and then he goes on to talk about in verse nineteen the things he did, so he he went about throughout the towns, he appointed judges who would judge um, fairly, justly, and he told them and he says Take heed what ye do, for ye judge not for man, but for the Lord, who is with you in judgment. Wherefore now let the fear of the Lord be upon you. take heed and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, nor respect of persons, nor taking of gifts. So he charged them all to to do what, to judge justly, and basically the law was being implemented throughout all the fenced cities of Judah of the southern kingdom, and furthermore, he tells them. Thus shall ye do in the fear of the Lord faithfully and with a perfect heart. So we have a, a description here of Jehoshaphat, a king who, who makes a mistake. God spares him. God spares him because God knows his heart and recognizes that, that, that he still has a heart that has a desire to seek after God. And he is confronted with the a message from God that basically, you know, because of what you did, because God is a just God, and because God, God has to deal with with sin, he is going to bring upon you, he's going to bring in your life a, a wrath, or you could, you could look at it in a way as, as a trial. He is going to bring trials into your life. And... We've read these passages before, and, and I'm sure that throughout history and across this globe, wherever there are churches, that the the accounts of the kings of Israel are read to to give us uh, information as to what are the things that we should do and not do. The Bible tells us that these things are are are. The New Testament tells us that they are good for our instruction, for our teaching, for our admonition, for for, for discipline and doctrine and teaching and how we should live. And so there's a lesson that we can learn from the examples of the past. Before we go into that a little bit, though, I think that we need to perhaps just step back and, and take a look at this the way the world would look at this. And I say the world in quotations because oftentimes as Christians... If we are a believer, we we, we read this automatically with, with with a certain reference point. One of the references that we see here is that God is very good to his children, and that he miraculously defeats their enemies. Now, if you didn't believe in God and you were this is the first time that you come across this account, you can look at this as a historical event. And you may choose to believe it or not, depending on the facts. You may look at this account and say, well, it's clearly biased. It's, it's written in, in Hebrew. It is an account of the, of, of the kings of Israel. And the defeat, as miraculous it is, as it is, could, could come across as a biased account of history. You may believe it. You may be- believe the validity of the account, if historical evidence would prove that, in fact, there was a battle and that the, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the children of Edom, which are the Mount, Mount Seir, were defeated, the historical account may not give any, uh, may not provide any additional facts to you that would substantiate the statement that they ended up fighting themselves and that's why they were defeated, that the Moabites and Ammonites ganged up on the Edomites. Uh, unsuspectingly the Edomites walked into an ambush and that in the process of being ambushed one of the sides, either the Moabites or the Ammonites realized that this is a position of advantage and that if we just keep going with our momentum we could destroy the other nation that is joining us and we could end up being rulers of all three or of, of the, the two whatever the reason was history may not record, outside of the Bible history may not record how the Moabites, Ammonites and the Edomites ended up perishing all three armies in this event so it is up to you to decide whether you take this or not but as you think about this and as you look at this account God is making a proposition to us he's asking us to think about this account from a personal perspective enough said about history history is, is interesting, history is, is fascinating, I like history but this is really about a decision that each of us need to make about who God really is. Is God, is God someone that can do things in our lives that are beyond our comprehension and our ability to believe? So in this account, we have Jehoshaphat who is warned that God is going to bring trials into his life because of disobedience. Jehoshaphat makes a decision. The Bible tells us that he has a heart, that's, that's inclined, a heart that's inclined towards seeking the will of God. Already there from his father and from, from, from his, his reading of the, of the law and of the Psalms, he, he had a desire for God. He wasn't a perfect man, but he had desire for God. And when he was confronted with his error, he made a choice to follow what his heart had already in place, which was to follow God and to do what's right and to seek for the mercy of God. The outcome here could have been completely different, but we see in chapter 19 that Jehoshaphat chose to restore godly worship within the land, within the fenced cities, and he, and he put in place princes and judges and magistrates that would uh, implement the law, and he chose man of, of, of integrity, who were not seeking their own gain, but were doing these things, were applying the law of God with a sincere heart in the fear of God, under, in faith and, and in, and in a, a, a perfect attitude. And God blesses this. He blesses this. And there is, there is, there is great blessing in the land, until news comes to Jehoshaphat that there is an army that is on the west side of the Dead Sea and is going north, and they're about 25 miles from Jerusalem. An army that you can't possibly defend against. An army that clearly is bent on complete destruction, annihilation of your existence. Now, Jehoshaphat may have, at this moment, the Bible doesn't tell us precisely when this came to pass. It's really interesting because we don't get a huge detail. Your life and my life, particularly in this age when we have everything digital, if you come to my house, you come to my big computer, you will find maybe 40,000 digital images that record maybe the last 14 years. So if you really wanted to look into my life, and if I were to write a book, and I'm sure it would be the same for you, we, we could find so much detail about your life. But it wasn't quite the same in the Old Testament. The, the detail that's left for us are the highlights of their lives. This man reigned for 25 years, and we only have just a, basically just a few highlights of what he did in 25 years. Surely a lot went, went in 25 years. We don't know when he received the news that the army was coming. We have no idea. And we don't know whether at the time, just before he received the news, he had completely forgotten the warning that because he had joined himself with an ungodly king of the north and had gone to battle against God's will, that God was still going to bring a trial in his life. He may have forgotten that because he was diligently seeking God and he was putting in place, and he had put in place the right worship. He had put in a system of justice that people could, could find justice in their claims in their daily lives. Things were going well for Judah until the news came. And so we have, we have here a very detailed account, a slice in his life as a king 25 years, but we have a very important, pertinent slice of his life that tells us what he did with the news that came to him. And it says here, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. So, whether you believe this is a historical account or not, whether you believe this to be a biased account by the Jews of something that didn't really happen, the way they describe it, what you need to take from this is that there is a calamity that is about to happen in a person's life. And he is making a choice. He is making a personal choice whether he is going to react in the way that would bring honor to god would be altogether consistent with his heart that would reflect consistency with what has happened just previous to this and god would bless that and that is really important it is important because as you look in your own life you have to ask yourself the question then when calamities come what is my behavior like? How, what is my behavior, how do I react to situations in my life and how does my reaction say or tell a story about who I really am and what kind of life I have really lived up to that point? See, it doesn't, for the majority of us, it doesn't take a lot. There's that, that, that um, metaphor that you know, you bump a glass that's full of water and the liquid, the contents spill out. And that's sort of a figure of our lives, that when we are bumped the wrong way, what's really in our heart spills out. And Jesus said, it's not the things that go inside you that defile you, but it's the things that come out of you that defile you, or, or more, more accurately, really condemn who you are condemn your situation because condemn you because of what comes out now in this case the calamity that Jehoshaphat was facing bumped him in a way that he had to make a decision and he chose to fear he chose to fear now we can study this word, and we can determine whether this was Jehoshaphat feared for his life, which would have been a natural reaction. I don't think there would be anyone here in those circumstances that would be so um, unnatural in their immediate reaction that they would not have any fear. So it's, it's consistent for, with our human makeup that we would fear at the at the. At the hearing of this news but it's what we do with that fear and he began to seek the lord and the bible tells us that he proclaims the fast throughout all judah and and they're all gathered verse 13 tells us that all Judah stood, be, stood before the lord were their little ones their wives and their children and this is a picture of sort of what happened back in the wilderness when moses led the people out of egypt and when they when all the family stood before the tents and, and everyone came out, and, and, and God was going to proclaim his will. And here, it tells us that Jehoshaphat's heart was really inclined towards God. Because had he not been a just king, had he not really followed after God's ways and, and put in a, a, a just system of law, the application of the, of the law of God into the land, that there is no way, under this circumstance, that the people really would have come and responded to him, but he proclaims the fast, and all Judah gathered, all, and Judah gathered themselves together to ask the help of the Lord. even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And then he he brings this prayer before God. He claims who God is. God is a great God. He has all the power. The power doesn't rest on us. It completely rests on on you, God. And that these inhabitants that are coming to, to, to make war against us, they're way greater than the numbers that we have, and we certainly cannot do anything about this. Now, he, he played the role that he should have played. He was a ruler. He was a king. This was the time when the leader needed to stand up and he needed to be a leader. But notice that he wasn't thumping his chest and he wasn't like a fool going in rage into battle, uh, overconfident of himself. Instead, he was a leader in which he, his, his leadership position required him to seek God and to seek God's god's help here people would say well this is a moment of weakness but if you know anything about god and if we know how god deals in our lives then in fact when we are weak the bible says we are strong and god uses that vehicle of weakness in your life and in my life in order to become strong in us he doesn't want you to fight your battles he doesn't want you to actually Engage in battle or engage in the calamities that face your life. It's very interesting. God wants you to simply trust him through the event. And he will do, he will do what needs to be done. And so, whenever we are faced with a very difficult situation, oftentimes, at least in my life and what I see in the scriptures, we, are faced, we face the situations with a handicap. Just like Apostle Paul said that God had, had sent him a messenger of Satan to buffet him, which was mean to, to strike him back and forth, and that, and that we don't really know what that was. Now, Apostle Paul, it says because of the abundance of revelations, Apostle Paul could have become extremely proud of who he was. He could have got to the point where he thought of himself way beyond measure, what was, what was appropriate for man to think he could have the temptation was was readily there he did see revelations god did give him visions he was he did go and he says whether it was an out of body or, or in body experience i don't know but i i did go to third to the third heaven i did see things that no man should have seen or heard and no man should utter so anyone under those circumstances certainly would come back and feel himself to be significantly above his fellow man and God knew that that temptation was there for Paul, and so He brought a messenger of Satan, someone who would give Paul a very difficult time throughout all the course of his of his service to God. And we can see it. Uh, Apostle Paul even, even accounts. He talks about one of the one of the um, the uh, blacksmiths, and he and he and he says that he has done me much evil. So Paul, being a child of God being very zealous and active in his, in his service, God allowed certain things in his life to happen, things that we would define and that he defined as evil. And when Apostle Paul talks about that, He, he, um, he says that that my strength is made perfect in weakness. That's what God told him. And that our strength is not really our strength. It's the strength of God in us. And this example of Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles is a parallel to that. That it is not your strength. It is not Jehoshaphat's strength, but it is God's strength that seizes through this calamity. But when you go to the calamity, whenever these situations happen in life, I don't know about you, but my temptation is to, there's always something in, as a handicap for me, and the, the, the first thought that comes to me is, oh, if if I wasn't in this circumstance or if, if this additional circumstance wasn't in my life, I could handle this. I could handle this. And that's precisely exactly what God wants. He doesn't want me to handle it. He wants me to handle it through him. And our, our tendency, our temptation, our first reaction is that we can handle this ourselves. Um, but oftentimes God brings that handicap. And God makes it clear to us that you are, in fact, weak, and I've made you so. I've made you so, because I don't want you to rely upon your strength. I want you to rely upon me. So Jehoshaphat behaves like a leader. And the lessons for us there is that each one of us needs to step up to the plate, to use a colloquial expression, We need to take leadership role in our lives, in our personal lives as Christians. That when things happen by the hand of God, God allows us. Remember, God told Jehoshaphat that I'm going to bring wrath or trial or tribulation in your life. And Jehoshaphat may have forgotten about this, but here it is. It's in your face now, and it's pretty vivid, and there isn't anywhere to go. So when we are facing that, we have to step up as god expects us to as as well for the man it's to be the priest we are to be we are to be the ones that are that that are example an exemplary um, witness to those around us of what to do with the situa- the situation that we face and not that the man should be picked on because that's clearly the 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 responsibility for all christians all Christians need to be an example to the world that their reliance and faith is real, that it actually it's is genuine, that that you're actually going you are behaving in a way that's altogether consistent with who you say you are. Just picture look in your own lives. Look in your own lives. God does this. He allows things to happen in our lives that are basically an open book before the world. And the world is there to behold how you and I behave. And if we behave out of character, inconsistent with who we claim we are, that is a poor reflection, not just on our faith, but on God. And the Bible says that he told the children of Israel, because of disobedience, you blaspheme my name before the nations because of your your stubbornness, your refusal to... To obey me and to follow my ways and not that we do that but we bring dishonor to god's name and so god expects each of us and and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter who you really are as far as your 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 role or function within the body of christ as a christian each of us are given the responsibility to act like a leader in our own lives And to take hold of the word of God and to seek the face of God under all circumstances. Now just imagine if the world were to see this consistently, someone may question, well, there's something different about this individual. And it is our testimony. It is who we are, through and through, that speaks the loudest. It is not the words we claim. It's not even the words we sing. It's not even the message from the pulpit. It's who we are. And so this this story here is about who we are. It's about what we're going to do with this story. It's about us looking at Jehoshaphat and looking at our own lives, drawing a parallel and saying, am I that spiritual? Am I consistent with the the message I claim to those around me? And this is real. It better be real. It better be true for us. So Jehoshaphat appeals to God. The whole all the nation of Judah appeal with him to God. The 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 all the all the all the families, their little ones, their wives and their children. This is this is a collective effort. This is a serious business here, and everyone seriously gets involved in seeking God's will. And then God raises someone with, because of the prayer who tells them that, that, that God is going to fight this battle for you. Now, those who are brought up in Sunday school, well, you know this. But tell me, how many times in your life when you have faced difficulties you have forgotten this verse? You have forgotten all those Sunday school stories. How is it possible that that Sunday school stories can become just that during your Sunday school years. But when you're older, they don't have the same tenacity. They don't seem to have the same application. Is it because we're perhaps wiser, or we think we're wiser, or because we think life really isn't like this? Do we even border on the possibility that we doubt the truthfulness of this account? Now think about that, and this is for the Christian. If you begin to doubt the factual nature of this account, it is a slippery slope for you. Because if you allow yourself to doubt and to question arbitrarily things in the Bible, then everything is open to question. You can take that to its nth degree and then you begin to question whether Jesus Christ really died or whether he really resurrected, whether there is such a thing as the Son of God. The implications are incredible. They really are. Christianity is not a Sunday activity, it has to be real or it's not. Simple as that. There is no in between. Anyone who finds himself in between finds himself most miserable. So God tells you and he tells me and he tells Jehoshaphat and he tells the whole nation of Judah that I'm going to fight this battle for you. And he tells them to go ahead and, and, and array themselves and prepare and go. And Jehoshaphat um, expresses his gratification for what he heard. And he says in verse 18, And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with the face of the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. So we have a response to that message. Now, I I don't want to be negative because I know that in my life there are circumstances where I have done this. I have have appealed to God in prayer, in faith, believing Him to be who He claims He is, trusting Him completely and, and being completely in faith dependent on him for what's going to happen next. And when it happens, and when I see, and, you know, when you're going through it, you can't see how God is going to make this work out. But at the end of the day, or at the end of the week, or at the end of the month, when events come together, which you could never have foreseen, nevertheless, nor even imagined to have orchestrated yourself, God brings these pieces together, and it happens. And when you realize what has just happened, you feel overcome with an appreciation and gratitude for who God is. And his, the reality of God becomes so ever more present in your life. And like Jehoshaphat and the children of Israel, you fall on the ground. And you cry. You are overcome and overwhelmed with God's goodness. And maybe you're like me. that afterwards, you question, how could I ever have doubted God? In fact, I could count all the times in my life as a believer where God has been faithful. And He has seen me through. And He has seen me through not the way I had imagined it, but the way was best for me. He was, he was always faithful. He was always this loving, kind, merciful Father who I can appeal to, and who will see me through, that he has the best intent for me, even though I can't see it. Even though there is evil all around me, and something that may happen to me that you and I may describe as evil, yet there will, good will come of it in the end. And in the end, I can, with an honest and sincere heart, thank God for what he has done. So the children of Israel prepare for battle. Not theirs, God's. And it says here, And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat, here he is again, a leader. This is, this is the kind of leaders we need today. In fact, we, need them. we all need to be this leader. We all need to have this leadership quality of, of not proudful confidence... Not self confidence, but confidence in God, believing Him implicitly, absolutely, without question. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoah. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, and He needed to say this, just picture this. Just picture. Now, in previous chapters, it tells us that he, I think he, put, he had gathered the armies and He created an army of about a million prior to this. Jehoshaphat had had already assembled, amassed quite an army in Judah. But not that that was going to be sufficient for the three nations that were coming towards him. But as a leader, he stood before them and he tells them, O Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I can imagine in those days they didn't have amplification. But maybe he stood in a plane where where the amplification of his voice went out. And there were hundreds and thousands of people. And he told them, he had to reassure them because he did know that from yesterday or the day before when they all bowed their faces down and acknowledged God's providence that he would take care of them, from, from that night to this morning, some may have doubted. And you can see yourself in that. As, 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 the, as, the, as the event approaches, doubts creep in. So as a leader, he had to reassure them and he says to them, O oh Judah, believe in your God. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Meaning, you will be stabilized, you will be safe. It is only up to you, and the only thing you have to do is believe. And this is exactly the message of salvation. It is the message of faith, the message that we proclaim to a world that is so so dense with their own intellectual academic generation of knowledge. But knowledge is not faith because man has no faith if he depends strictly on what he understands and sees. But this is where it all comes to. This is where it all comes into into a head. It is your knowledge against faith. And when you're facing a situation that the prophet just before you, the evening before, said, God is going to deal with this. You just need to present yourself to battle. God is going to deal with this. At the time when you're just going to face that battle, you have to decide for yourself, is this real enough for me? Do I believe this or I do not believe this? And, and, and And I will say to you, in fact, that that is the question you ask yourself every day. As a Christian, we ask ourselves that question every day. Every day when I get up in the morning, every day when I spend time in the Word of God, in fact, I, I confess to you, every day when I look into this Word of God, I have, a, I have a subconscious choice to make. It is there in the back of my mind. Do I believe this or do I not believe this? It is a choice you have to make. And they stood before the battle and Jehoshaphat looked at them and said, believe Believe in the Lord your God, and He will establish you. And it says believe his prophets believe what He has just proclaimed through His people, through His spokespersons, so shall ye prosper. God will make this come to pass. All I'm asking you to do is believe. Now put yourself in this situation. And that's what the story is about. Put yourself in the situation you're in a battle. You're about to go into a battle. The odds are completely against you. There is no way humanly possible that you're going to come out alive. In fact, it's going to be a slaughter. And it's not just you that's going to die. They're going to take your wives. They're going to ravage them. They're going to kill your children. They're going to burn your cities. They're going to obliterate your inheritance. The remembrance of who you are will, will will disappear. This is what's facing you. You can rage forward in battle in foolishness thinking that somehow you're going to find courage and overcome the odds. Or you're going to trust in God. You're going to make a choice to believe. You're going to make a choice to believe. And if you can believe this incident, and if you can transport yourself into that time, and, and believe God. Why can't you believe God today? Why can't we have that same level of faith today in events that are significantly less concerning? But the times will come. And again, to those of you who do not believe, you may see this as scaremongering Christians that are getting too emotional the Bible tells us, and I choose to believe it, that the times will come, the days will come to an end, they're drawing to an end. God is, is going, his, his clock is going to come to an end and he's going to bring judgment on the world like it's never happened before. And before that judgment occurs, the Christians are going to suffer tremendous persecution like they've never suffered before history will pale in comparison. The time is coming. In fact, we are drawing closer to the time we see the events in this world. We are going there. And so there, there, there needs to be a greater urgency for us to do a reality check in our lives. Are we really genuine? Or are we disingenuine? Are we, are we saying one thing and living another? Because the time will come well we will be proved who we really are will come out the bible tells us that some will be offended during those days that that the children will give up their parents to the authorities those children that do not believe and the parents who are believing the children will 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 basically expose them to the authorities that will be persecuting and vice versa They will be terrible times, and God says, for the for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened, and that really means that 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 besides the fact that God is going to make has dictated that time to be a fixed time, it's going to happen. And so I'm I'm just, and I do this to myself. I question this. What kind of life am I living? How real is God to me? Do I exemplify faith in the everyday events of my life? Am I growing in that faith? Is God preparing me for the time when I will have to exercise great leadership? Well, and that is true for you, where you will have to exercise great leadership. You cannot doubt, you cannot dither, you cannot uh, go back and forth Jehoshaphat knew his role and he knew that he had to tell the people you have one choice before you and one choice only. You either believe or you flee. That's the choice before you. If you believe, God will prosper you. He will establish you. If you don't, the consequences are tremendous. But if you don't choose to believe, and that's the question, if we don't choose to believe. If we don't choose to believe today, If Christ is not active in our lives and we're not able to overcome calamities today and we don't step up to the plate and be leaders today, we certainly will not be leaders tomorrow. Tomorrow will come. The Bible says his vengeance, God's vengeance. And the world, you know, the world, the world wants nothing to do with God. The world, you know, God, leave me alone. Let me live my life. I don't want anything to do with you. But when things go wrong, They're always the first to blame God. How could God let all those innocent children die? If God had existed, how could he let that happen? On one hand, we want nothing to do with God. We reject him, get out of my life. On the other hand, we blame him when things go wrong. You know, you look at your insurance policy. They talk about an act of God. They blame God for hurricanes. They blame God for floodings. Man has a problem. And he's not even at peace with himself, with God. He really isn't. So we have to make a decision. We have to decide. Whether we believe or not. May the Lord bless his word. Amen.